Welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you. And we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility. And we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. All right. Welcome to In Your Corner with Cora Physical Therapy. Remember to go out to CoraPhysicalTherapy.com. Treating everyone right at Cora. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is respected. And everyone is supported to achieve success. Yes. Great company. Great people. Go out to CoraPhysicalTherapy.com. Find out more. Type in your zip code. You'll find a Cora Physical Therapy clinic near you. All right. We're going to be talking about Cora. COVID-influenced modern medicine. I have no, I don't know. I don't even know how to unravel that, but I, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I just came back from Europe and I had a lot of COVID requirements, a lot of paperwork. How about that? All right. Before we get into that topic, Dr. Shemarani, please give the listeners a little 411, a little background on who you are. Hello and good evening, everybody. Uh, my first name is Saeed and uh, last name Shemirani. It's exactly the same way it's been written. You can pronounce it the same way as easy. No, <laughs> no I'm going to screw it up. I know. I just, I don't, don't. <laughs> Move along. Well, my background is uh, from Iran. So uh, I am uh, Persian. Um, in blood, and I came to the United States uh, 1999. I'm a trauma uh, surgeon, uh, emergency trauma surgeon by trade, uh, back home in Iran, and the same way, uh, got my training in emergency medicine in the United States, licensed, and started working. Uh, I was working in the hospital for a while, uh, but, you know, uh, when you age a little bit, I'm still young, but, <laughs> well, after 20 years working in the hospital setting and everything else, I got tired. Now, I still work. I'm not retired. I'm not planning to be retired soon, any soon. Uh, I own a private practice as an urgent care in downtown Orlando along a uh, family practice uh, side to side, the same location. And we are in the same location from uh, 2017. Uh, we are, uh, as I said, we are in downtown Orlando. That is my little background. There you go. All right. Well done. I hate to, uh, I would hate to follow uh, Dr. Shemarani, but you have to, Ethan. Give us a little background on who you are. That's a tough one. Um, is, my name's sorry. Ethan. I'm the physical therapist here. So I've been an outpatient physical therapist for CORE for a little over three years. I've had the pleasure of helping people reach their functional outcomes. Uh, I like to say I like to break down barriers and build up backs. I work in the spine center, and I think that's uh, fitting for um, that statement. Um, and I'm honored to be with uh, you distinguished gentlemen today to kind of talk about some stuff that's uh, pretty uh, prevalent and not going anywhere, it doesn't seem like, at least for now. 
some more than others. I mean, I appreciate <laughs> that. All right, Dr. Rick. Rock and roll, my friend. It's all yours. First of all, I want to thank you guys for, for joining us. And this is um, an unbelievably timely topic, obviously. I have a couple of radio shows, and even though they're sports medicine, I would say two-thirds of the questions are about COVID. So everybody wants to know about COVID. Uh, no one really cares what's going on in the NBA, maybe except me. And uh, <laughs> we got two, two people in the world. But generally, everybody wants to know what's going on with COVID. Um, we're seeing big changes in New York now. We've had a million cases in the United States uh, or a million deaths. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very prop prominent and it's on everyone's mind. So before we get started, let's just talk about um, how many people you see and, and kind of how prevalent is it in your practice, Dr. Sharamani? I mean, is it something you're seeing every day? Do you see it once in a while? How often are you seeing people that you think might have COVID, you're testing for COVID, and then you're getting positive tests? Correct. That's a very good subject and very interesting because uh, you know, uh, when the COVID started back uh, in 2020, I believe, uh, back in March or January 2020, um, immediately I went through the whole process of uh, being uh, certified uh, uh, and and legitimate site uh, through health department, Florida Health Department and. Uh, my urgent care was a designated uh, COVID site uh, through the health department. And we were on their website uh, for referral. And we really did a lot, uh, I would say, uh, in the past few years with COVID patient, COVID cases, in a sense that when the COVID was on those peaks, you remember COVID had a few big peaks. You know, one of them was uh, actually December 2021, which was the last peak. And the other peak was uh, March 2020. And the other peak was April 2021, I believe. And we had three big, uh, you know, uh, peaks during this pandemic. Uh, at the top of those peaks, we were seeing 60 to 80 patients a day. Wow. And, uh, you can't believe out of 60 to 70, 80 cases a day, I had 10 to 25 positives. Um, we were extremely exposed to COVID, but through... Uh, extreme precaution and the system we created to be touchless uh, for testing and uh, creating results and reports and deliver to the patient. We did our best that, uh, thank God, uh, myself and so many assistants that they were helping us through this journey we did not have any complications or any infections or any issue in the office. Uh, the office was uh, designed through, through the COVID, through a touchless system, through paperwork, consent form, uh, to be registered with EMR, 
so basically a paperless system and all the uh, equipments and all the uh, uh, precautionary actions were taken when we were going out to perform the test, either myself or nurses, uh, they all uh, prepared in a way that uh, we never get exposed to COVID. And we went through the whole thing for the last few years. And nowadays, as I said, uh, through the peaks, we went through 60 to 70 or 80 cases a day, 10 to 20 positives. And uh, when the slope was going down, of course, basically the number of uh, COVID cases appropriately matching with the data, uh, data that we are delivered from CDC or health department, uh, you know, exactly the same way when the peak was going 20% down or numbers uh, exactly were 20% down, 40%, 40% down, 50%, 50% down. And to the point that uh, these days, uh, by January 1st, 2022, when the, the last peak almost plateaued to the zero, or just the minimal case, especially I'm talking about the state of Florida, um, basically we did not see any cases anymore. I was talking to this, uh, you know, executive directors of the lab, like LabCorp or, Qu or Quest or AIT or MedLab and all the nuclear labs uh, that we were dealing with them during the COVID cases. Uh, they were all uh, saying to me that, uh, yeah, COVID was dead uh, by end of January 2022. And between February and March, surprisingly, we did not see any case of COVID whatsoever. And uh, in April, and we are going to mid-May, uh, again, surprisingly, I have to say, we are seeing new cases of COVID. So now it's not 60, 70 a day, but it's for sure one or two a day. So we do one or two tests. We do one to five cases a day, but probably one positive every other day. Still in a, in a, in a safe zone, I would say. And, and, and kind of talk about your assessment. Patient comes in. What are their symptoms? How do you assess them? How do you decide when you're going to COVID test them? And what, what are you using PCR? What, what tests are you using? We do have every single modalities, modalities you think of. We have rapid antigen. We have rapid PCR. And we have uh, regular PCR that we, PCR that we send out to the reference lab, sometimes to cross-reference or laboratory in-house. Uh, depends on the patient's need. Of course, depends on the patient's financial and insurances. The options are different on the menu. So we offer them all and we take it from there. Uh, of course, the patients, they were coming, they were always having symptoms. Sometimes we had asymptomatic patients Believe it or not, our experience with COVID is so extensive 
that I can talk to you guys for hours, hours here about the symptoms, presentation. Uh, we had a range of asymptomatic all the way to full symptomatic patients, you know, with hypoxia and oxygen saturation less than 90, presents with shortness of breath. And of course, the first uh, thing that we were suspected all the time, COVID, uh, a lot of patients, they were diagnosed right off the spot with the rapid antigen and the antigen positive, everything is useless. We send a PCR to reference lab to confirm, but every single PCR after rapid antigen turned positive in our database. And also uh, we had uh, beautiful cases. I mean, I love to share these two cases. I had so many hundreds, but uh, these two by far, uh, they are very interesting. One of them is a young guy, 40 year old, my friend that, uh, you know, our kids play together all the time. We have playmates all the time for our daughters. Uh, so he called, he generally, he does not call me on my cell phone, just, just as a respect. He calls the office. He said to the nurse, uh, I'm Dr. Shimarani's friend. I didn't call him, but uh, I have a little bit of shortness of breath. I have a little bit of fatigue. Uh, I want to tell him uh, if it's possible for him to send me some asthma medication because he was suffering from asthma. And my, my assistant says, well, he's not available to talk to you, but I can put you on the schedule. And he got very upset. He said, screw you. I will call his cell phone. I want to talk to him. I don't feel good. So he was, he was kind of, uh, I don't know. I kind of uh, distressed, I believe. So he called my cell phone and Rachel came to me and she said, yeah, Timmy is calling the office. He wants to do I said, don't worry about it. He's calling my cell phone. So my friend, you know, I hang out with him all the time. I said, what's going on? He says, Hey, I feel tired. I have cough. And I had a little bit chill last night. But the problem is, I am in front of the mirror. My lips, it doesn't look like normal. I said, Timmy, what, what, what do you mean? He said, I have a beautiful red lips. Now it's purple. <laughs> and I... I can't talk. I said, I am so happy you didn't come to the office. You put your things together, go to emergency room. You had COVID. You have COVID. I guarantee you, don't do anything. Go to the emergency room right now. So he listened to me. He believes it. You know, he believes on me. So he went to ER and apparently he had COVID and they admit him to the ward and I'm seeing somebody's calling me at 6 a.m. And as soon as I pick up the phone, like an emergency call coming. So I wake up and I pick up the phone. He says, my name is Dr. Such and Such. I'm calling from Advanced Health and I'm a hospitalist here. And we have a patient that went to Assistoli uh, with full cardiac arrest. His oh, name God. is 
Oh my God. I said, this is my friend. What happened to him? He died. So he went to a systole. And then he continued. He says, we had a CPR for 45 minutes. Wow. We brought him back. He's on ventilator. I don't know he can, he can survive and he can go through this, but I want to have some past medical history because I don't have anything. And on his record, he says, you are, you are his primary care doctor. So he went to full assistance and he went to cardiac failure, congestive heart failure, and very bad arrhythmia rapid AFib, and I'm still engaged with his uh, treatment, bring him back to normal life. So this is what I see closely with my close friend. The other patient was, this is another funny story, very, very, very important that we can learn from it. Another patient came and uh, he said that I have abdominal pain, a little bit of chill, and nausea. And my assistant said, you know, put your mask on. He was kind of rude. He said, I have abdominal pain and nausea. He said, put your mask on. And then, uh, you know, they put the mask, they offered him mask. He put the mask on. I went to the room. He took off the mask. He started talking to me and coughing and had has feeling of nausea and vomiting. And I checked his uh, uh, pulse, uh, you know, the oxygen saturation. It was 87. Wow. I turned around. I said, I'm sorry. I exposed, I exposed myself very badly to COVID. I think you have COVID. And I said to his wife, you don't do anything. You go to the hospital right now. So he started, arguing with me and he even he even went outside and he started saying f word to me that he is a moron he doesn't understand i went to three different urgent care and three different doctors they saw me they said it's just gastritis and now he's accusing me that i have covid now he's saying to my wife take me to the hospital and I am not going to come back here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a very bad review on him. He doesn't know anything about medicine. So he walked out and his wife forced him to the hospital. And uh, his wife called the day after and she was apologizing. And she said, doctor, you saved my husband's life. He had COVID. He was hospitalized. And his situation is very bad. Uh, he's on the ventilator. I don't know if he can make it. I just call you to say how wonderful you are, how big of experience you had. If the doctor said in the hospital, if you wouldn't come into the hospital, we would have gone home. He would have been dropped dead in the bedroom last night. So the guy went through the whole thing, got cured, came out of the hospital, few weeks later, huge bucket of flour with the wife. He came, he apologized. He said the story to every single nurses up front. When he came to the room, he put his hand. He said, I could not look at you. 
I am the one that I curse at you. You are the one you saved my life. I still get goosebumps when I remember these stories. So this is how extensive we had, uh, you know, experience with COVID and physical therapy because of uh, disability and comorbidities after all these people that they went to the hospital and they get to the situation that they're, they were almost disabled, not able to walk, lost 50 pounds during hospitalization. That when I was talking to Ethan, I said, we always recommended physical therapy and rehabilitation after all uh, deadly complications of COVID. And I, I'm telling you, this is two samples that came to my mind. I have so many of these I can share. So Ethan, get, give us give us your thoughts a little bit. Um, patient comes in, sees Dr. Sharamani, has COVID. Maybe they have some post-COVID weakness, or maybe they've lost a lot of weight. They've been on a vent, ECMO, whatever. What what yeah. what what is your give us your evaluation, and then kind of give us your rehab protocol? Okay, good question, Dr. Eric. Um, well, definitely for the most part, we're, we are still seeing patients in the outpatient setting that, you know, at some point we're, we've all been affected by COVID, if you had it or not. But the, the change in where we are at as far as, you know, that switch to um, a lot of sedentary lifestyle jobs that have had to work from home where you're not out, you're not active, kind of promoting that disuse. Uh, we are seeing those patients affected one way or the other. But for patients that we're seeing that were hospitalized for like COVID, um, we, we know for a fact that disuse cardiovascular function is going to be limited. Even two weeks of disuse and you see, you know, extreme losses of muscle quality, fat accumulation. So we're taking these orthopedic conditions and we're, we're looking at it on a different approach. It's not just that shoulder, that back that we're treating. Uh, we're looking at the respiratory function. So some things that we like to look at especially in my setting, um, you would think before this pandemic is something that might not be used in our patient setting, but even something that monitors their cardiovascular uh, capacity, like a six minute walk test, where we kind of see how long they can walk, um, checking their pulse ox, just like Dr. Shimarani said, to see how their respiratory, um, their respiratory system kind of reacts. Is their O2 saturation dropping? Is their heart rate spiking after that first minute? Um, these are all helpful things that put a little bit more to that orthopedic uh, condition that they're coming from and giving us a little idea of what the recovery process is going to be. And a lot of times it's an educational moment for them also because um, we're able to tell them and let them know expectation-wise that this is something that relatively might have been a quick fix. In your case, it might take a little bit longer for you to reach that goal. Um, so we have to kind of bunker down a little bit and kind of be realistic with what it's going to take. Maybe it's a, a longer recovery. Maybe it's lots of breaks. Um, a few cases that come to mind, you know, it's not just our elderly population that we're considering, um, but even younger athletic populations with that comorbidities, even something as simple as maybe like asthma, it's going to be amplified. You're going to see that even a cardio vascular warm-up on a you know recumbent bike might put them 
you know, to shortness of breath. And if you put a pulse, uh, a pulse, <laughs> you check their pulse, um, uh, their O2 saturation, you'll see it dropping. And it's alarming because maybe that's something that a lot of therapists won't even, even check. Um, but you can kind of relay that message to their doctor. Um, so those are things I just like to kind of, you know, anytime I'm seeing like that they're, they're either hospitalized or they, they did have COVID in the past. Those are issues that I'm definitely trying to, you know, put into my, my standard strength and, you know, strength and range of motion assessment um, and relay that back to the doctor. Um, also, even if they don't have that, um, if they are sedentary, I do want to still kind of tie into that fact that there's not just a physical that we're at. You know, we all have some sort of trauma affected by COVID um, just for the fact that either somebody we know has been affected or maybe being around the house has gone, you know, tr you know, drove us crazy being around the kids um, or whatever it may not be. And um, those are things that we have to take into effect that it's not just orthopedic. It's a psycho, there's a psychological effect as well that we're, we need to address as well. So I hope that answers a little bit of your question that it is a bigger, it's bigger than just a shoulder. It's bigger than a back. It's bigger than just weakness. Um, it, it is uh, something that we really have to look at at all different approaches. So, so you, you mentioned something really important, which was the uh, six, six minute walk test. Tell us about the Borg scale and are, are there any other tests that we should be looking out for or that we should be involved with in terms of assessing these athletes or these patients? Oh, yeah. Well, definitely all of our patients, we, I like to consider them, they're like athletes. The body works similar. So, um, But for the most part, I, I really like, I use more of like a, a modified Bohr scale. So pretty much that's a scale one to 10 for a lot of people that are listening. It's, it's really the subjective, um, how you feel, like 10 is like you, you ran a marathon, zero, like you're doing nothing um, for any kind of activity. How, how is it when you're, you're getting up from a chair? Was that, a, was that a one out of 10? Like, was that 10? Did it feel like you're, you're in a marathon? Um, or was it something very simple? Um, uh, and from there, that scale, we're able to kind of give them goals of where we want them from therapy. Um, we want them to be maybe around like a five or six. It should be that when we're prescribing exercises, that's, that's something that they should, you know, keep as a target. Um, but at the same time, it, we're able to kind of tie that into, you know, educating them on like, where's the target heart rate? Um, how they can calculate that themselves with their age um, and then where we would want to keep them in that range so that we can make sure that they're safely progressing through their therapy. Um, on top of that, um, there's some other skill, some other tests that we like to use. Um, one that's another modified one if you don't have access to that six minute because you do need a little bit of space for a six minute walk test. Um, but to, you can use uh, something that's standard that a lot of us therapists like to use is just Stand up, sit down five times from a chair. Let's see how long it takes you to do that. That takes a lot. That shows your endurance. That shows your strength. And it shows you your risk of falling. Um, a 30-second chair rise. How many times can you stand up in 30 seconds? Are you winded? Are you out of breath? Are you using your hands? Are you shifting? Are you unable to get up at all? Um, those are all good things that we can kind of see, especially if you've been hospitalized. That's something that we do daily in a daily, in a day-to-day um there there's a lot of other tests and with the shift of even physical therapy becoming more of uh accessible through telemedicine um there's other tests that we can do there we've been there's creative tests like the 60 second wall wash test where you just literally lift your hand up and 
Um, you go around for 60 seconds and there's, there's numbers and norms that kind of say where you should be for your age. Um, that kind of show like your endurance and your, your strength. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and all of it just kind of shows us, um, practically, um, where are you cardiovascular and how is your muscles getting the oxygen that need is needed to perform, um, day-to-day activities. Dr. Shemarani, somebody has COVID and, and I know this is variable, but when can they expect to be over it? I.e., you know, when, when is their post COVID issues resolved and what post COVID issues are you seeing? You know, what, what, what are we seeing that we're still treating when somebody's had COVID gotten over COVID, you know, what's the residual? Well, basically, as I talk to you, uh, COVID patients, uh, they were in a, uh, varieties of uh, symptoms uh, that we were seeing in the office. Uh, be honest with you, a lot of people without comorbidities or younger populations with good immune system, uh, they were the range of asymptomatic uh, to a very, very mild uh, uh, congestion like a allergic rhinitis or something like that, or a very brief sinusitis. And they did not even receive any treatment and they were cured and they did not have any post-COVID issues. Uh, Generally, very rare population uh, related to COVID infections, uh, which they had comorbidities uh, or serious health conditions, they are the one that they were more involved with uh, uh, post-COVID syndrome, I would call. Be honest with you, there is there is not uh, enough data or any studies yet, as I know or I studied or I looked at, that shows exactly uh, what are the post-COVID syndromes and how it's related to different population with different comorbidities as of yet, because. Still, COVID and COVID issues is pretty new in medicine. I mean, COVID was existing for decades, but with this situation and this involvement and being pandemic like this and dragging everywhere to nowhere, (laughs) it's something new, my friend. So uh, we have seen uh, post-COVID complications. What I have seen in my practice uh, from uh, people that they were pretty healthy, still they carried uh, fatigue, fatigue syndrome, and brain fog uh, for for months. I'm talking about three to six months to be clear. So, for my younger patients population with no underlying medical condition we still saw fatigue and fatigue syndrome and brain fog and dizziness probably for three to six months. And they were, they were getting better by time. So if that's the case, uh, the other group that they were having comorbidities like diabetes or asthma, COPD or HIV or AIDS, uh, those are the ones that I saw particularly in my group of patients, that they were complicated, like the cases that I just explained, 
uh, or some HIV cases that I had that they were ending up to the hospital on ventilator. They came out of the hospital, but the waist syndrome and muscle waist syndrome and fatigue, it, it was just uh, so big of a deal for them for six months. And uh, one of particular cases that I remember is the one that uh, muscle waste and uh, general atrophy uh, actually was, was with him more than a year. Now he's recovering after, uh, I believe, 16 months, 18 months post-COVID. Now he's going back to gym, he's less tired. I look at the muscle, they're all bumped up again. Uh, so th this is a variety. We cannot swear on one versus the other. And, and is there a medicine? You know, you talk about the medicines in, in terms of somebody comes in. How do you how do you determine um, remdesivir? Some of the oral medicines. What 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 what's the protocol in terms of treatment? Well, be honest with you about my practice. At one point, I was ex extremely busy with load of 60 to 80 cases a day. Wow. At that period, we took a policy that was written in our consent form that we are not a treating center. So we took the action of being a, a diagnosis diagnostic center with the, mm -hmm. all the diagnosis tool that we had, but we were not treating COVID patients. There were periods of uh, uh, time that they were using uh, monoclonal antibodies or antiviral, but if you ask me particularly, I never prescribed and I did any of these treatment for the patients. For the patients that we felt comfortable to give treatment are the one that I was, I was treating them like acute bronchitis, you know, slash walking pneumonia, uh, anti-inflammatories, uh, a little bit low-dose corticosteroids, bronchodilators, and use antibiotics like azithromycin or augmentin. And the emphasis to every single patient, we are not a treating center. If your symptoms get worsened, please go to the hospital with your positive test in your hand. Say, my symptoms are getting worse. So basically, this is the two versions. There are two versions that I, I treated. One, just the mild version of COVID treatment as bronchitis, pneumonia, walking pneumonia or sinusitis, all the treatment, you know, more or less the same. You give, uh, you know, antihistamines, you know, uh, bronchodilators, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, appropriate antibiotic treatment. And, you know, be honest with you, uh, I never had one case with this treatment, you know, get worse and then go to the hospital, except those cases that I told you they had comorbidities to begin with. Walking COVID, I would call, like walking pneumonia, I, I called it walking COVID, almost asymptomatic with the outpatient treatment which we were given. They were all feeling better within a few days. And 
they were coming back, uh, test negative a few days, and then we will give them excuse for work for those days and we release them afterward. That was the protocol. And Ethan, tell us about telemedicine. What is the place in terms of, well, where is its place in terms of COVID? Well, basically, um, basically, uh, telemedicine uh, has nothing to do with COVID unless they do, uh, you know, home in-home kit, uh, you know, support to the patients and they send to PCR, you know. We did have telemedicine for the patients that they want to do this, but we were talking to them. Uh, and we were telling them, you know, if you feel worse and you need to go to the hospital, the nurses, they were explaining the signs of hypoxia, like if your tongue or your, your lips, they look purple, you know, or your nails, uh, they look purple and you're having shortness of breath. Don't waste your time to get the result back, go to the hospital. But uh, we had telemedicine encounter for covid as I told you, everything was touchless, paperless for us. Everything engaged to an EMR and people, they were coming. We had the, we had the opportunity to drop kids to their house and mail in the kids. And uh, they were all uh, prepaid, uh, ready with biohazard plastics in their uh, sample. They were collected and they were sent to reference lab through overnight UPS uh, system that we created through the reference lab that we were using during the COVID. Results were uh, coming to EMR within 24 hours uh, on the area that the, they were like, uh, COVID, the lab they were loaded, probably we had a delay to 48 hours sometimes. But within 24 to 40 hours, the result they were kicking, we will call them they said, okay, the COVID is positive. Uh, we already gave them the, the recipe with the, with the medications. So please continue the medication. If you feel worse and go to the hospital, come back in seven days to get retested to see if you're negative to get clearance. So that was our protocol. And, and, and what can we expect in the future um, in terms of treatment? And I'll ask Ethan first, and then um, give me your shot, give me your, uh, Thoughts, um, Dr. Sharmani, in terms of the future, what, what what's going to happen next? Ethan, what, what's going to happen next in COVID and how are we going to rehab the next generation? You know, if you think that maybe the, the Omicron is a little bit watered down and, and maybe not as severe, how are we going to treat those patients? Well, I think um, one thing that we have learned is that uh, even physical therapy um, we, it's a promising profession. You know, I think originally, originally when this first started and we saw a shift to that telehealth, um, a lot of people were wondering, how do you take physical out of physical therapy? So, and I think it's, it's, that's a fair question to really ask. And I think not even from like our, our consumers, but even our clinicians, we didn't go to school thinking that we were going to be treating someone virtually. Um, but I really do think that that was where, as a profession, we were able to see uh, where our true kind of role is. And that's that educational part. 
and seeing and the main thing is when we're, when we're thinking about physical therapy, it's not that we want to see you forever in person. Um, our goal is to discharge you at some point. And at home, when we're not there, we are expecting that you have associated that you are able to take this on your own and maintain and kind of um, progress to that next phase of physical function and not be a routine frequent flyer for the most part. Um, but I think what telehealth allowed us to see is as a, not only are we able to see them in their house, but we're able to associate that house as a place of healing, as a place of um, specifically, like, let's say, for instance, like a, a table can become assistive um, form of a lumbar flexion stretch, or maybe like two chairs becomes parallel bars for someone that needs to get improved with balance and gait. Um, whereas before they, they were like, oh, our home exercise program, I'm going to go home. There's no way I can do that in my house. We're seeing them and we're proving to them that it is possible for you to take it into your hand. And I think um, um, overall, that really shows as a profession for us new physical therapists that um, there is so much to grow and there's a big part of uh, medicine that we have a part of. Um, and I hope that answers that question for you, Rick. Doctor, where, where are we going with COVID? What do you think? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I think the whole world, uh, they encountered a big shock when the COVID started. And with the death toll and being so nervous and anxious about all the dilemmas that we went through uh, those uh, times and those years, the original part of COVID pandemic, uh, trained the whole world in a good way that nowadays people, they have a better understanding of disinfection. Uh, and uh, I, I believe that patients they they have better education now uh, i can see people they don't even need to see a doctor anymore i heard from so many patients that they had some symptoms and they had some in-home kit and they did their test themselves they found out they were positive they keep quarantine at home for five to seven days. They tested themselves and they, they used NyQuil and DayQuil <laughs> and they went through the whole seven, eight days. They tested themselves. They became negative. They went out to the field. To the field. So I believe the whole world has better understanding with this disease but since every, everywhere is open, and I believe people, they're just wild in the field again, and they, they care less or they have less uh, safety measures with less mask or less uh, encounters. I believe there should be another peak of COVID coming up. I don't know how soon or how bad it would be, but I don't think COVID will go away 100%. Uh, 
as influenza never goes away. We have the peak of influenza every year, for years, for decades. So it's the same situation. COVID will survive with us as we survive with COVID. Uh, the level of understanding and education and consci consciousness of the people about viral disease, viral syndrome, the way it gets transmitted and precautionary action is way better than three years ago. So let's see what will happen, but I guarantee if they're, uh, you know, warning us again with the numbers that are extremely high, people, they can go back to mask and they can wash their hand and be careful with touching and connecting to each other. So it's not gonna be that bad as it was, but it can be another peak somehow in the near future. Well, I want to thank you guys. You're both great. And um, Scotty, any questions? I mean, this is a very timely topic and this is great information. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down some notes, but everybody covered them all. So I, I would just be repeating everybody like influenza. What about influenza? I just, because you, you, you talked about a doctor and, and uh, comorbidity. It, we hit upon that. That's an important component to it. Uh, different variants, right? They keep on coming in and out, but don't know the severity of these variants. But I think the wisdom in this conversation was that we're going to have to live with COVID. I mean, some way, shape, or form, we're going to have to live with it. And and how we manage that, it is what it is. And I, I, I mean, that's 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 the reality of it. You guys were great. You guys, thank you very very much. All right, uh, listeners. Hey, hey, hey. If uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you, doctor, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, yes, uh, great questions. Uh, we are local in Orlando. I do not have any uh, other branches except Advanced Preventive Medicine Urgent Care in Orlando. Uh, we are located in 1400 East Robinson. And uh, our website is apmuc.com as it stands for advanced preventive medicine urgent care so apmuc.com and if anybody puts advanced preventive medicine orlando in google search engine we are number one in the google search engine we are of telemedicine for anybody that they can uh, connect with us or phone number 407-845-8623 is the contact number. There you go, man. Well, that was well done. And if you, if I'm going to Orlando and I'm doing the, the vacation thingy over there, I definitely, you will be in my mental Rolodex for sure. Just in case, just in case, not to say that I'm going to get sick, but just in case I'm going to be knocking on your door and you, Ethan, how do they get a hold of you? Yes, sir. Um, so, um, I'm located at Cora Physical Therapy, the Spine Center in downtown Orlando, 801 North Orange Avenue. Um, our phone number is 407-439-1581. Uh, uh, you can give us a call, request a screening. Uh, we do those for free, but we would love to come see you. Just say hi. We have a nice, uh, beautiful facility on the seventh floor or overlooking Disney World. Uh, we can't get any better than that. Oh, that is pretty good. Well, you guys are just absolutely wonderful. Dr. Rick, 
Good job Thank again. You. Both of you guys. Absolutely spectacular. Remember to go out to corephysicaltherapy.com. Treating everyone right. That's what the motto is for Core Physical Therapy. At Cora, everyone is welcome. Everyone is respected. And everyone is supported to achieve success. Yes, I like Cora. <laughs> yeah, you can use that one. That's like a bumper sticker. I like Cora. All right. Thank you guys for uh, being on In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. Listeners, we're going to have another great conversation shortly. So do not go away. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.